G'day and welcome to this special edition of the Riding High podcast. Coming up in this show, it's just going to be myself on the mic without co-host Mike. Now, the whole focus of today's show is to give a bit of an overview of a recent presentation I gave to a board of directors around some exciting work I'm involved in through an organization called Gratitude Care, who are an NGO family support center that provides a number of services for the Cairns region. And we've received a grant to run a program that will be working specifically with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children and mothers who have been brought to the attention of child safety due to reports of child harm, neglect, and subsequently, they've been referred onto a support service. So we have a five-year agreement for funding from a big initiative called Our Way Program. And the whole focus of this program is to reduce the number of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children who are in out-of-home care. And I've been appointed to the position of the director for this department. And as such, I've completed a planning phase and developed a vision statement and a strategic pathway towards achieving this vision And I'm going to be piloting the program in Yarrabah, which is a community located near Cairns. So the vision statement, which we put together, is as follows. A service working collaboratively towards creating family-centered programs focused on embracing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in the Cairns region. Our values are on empowering child-family relationships towards a future that embraces respect, participation and family values through engagement with family connections. It's quite a bold vision and one that sounds fairly important for Indigenous peoples. So let's talk about the barriers that currently are facing this world and the challenges are. So current statistics around Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children as of July 2017 reported by the Australian Institute of Family Structure detailed an alarming figure that 46 per 1,000 Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children families had notifications with child services alleging child abuse, neglect or harm to a child and these were substantiated meaning proven to be credible. Now that figure is close to seven times more likely than non-Indigenous children in Australia. The report points out some of the limitations in assessing the full prevalence of abuse and neglect due to a multitude of factors associated with underreporting of child abuse and neglect within this population in Australia. Now, I won't go into these, but for anyone interested in hearing more about the details of the report, a link to the full report is available in the show notes, as will links to all the academic and grey literature referred to in the interview. So if you guys want to geek out on the full details, go to the show notes. So what happens once these allegations are substantiated? That depends on the type and severity of the substantiation. The foremost common substantiated reports of harm of child are emotional abuse, neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse. The statistics I will note refer to children placed in out-of-home care because they've been harmed or deemed to be at risk of harm from abuse or neglect. As of June 2017, 17,664 Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children were placed in out-of-home care. 
that's at a rate of 58 per thousand compared to non-indigenous children, which is at a rate of 5.8 per thousand. This figure has continually grown rapidly over the past 10 years. There's a few things which have been put in place to combat this. The first one I'll talk about is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander child placement principles. Now, these principles state that with the children who come from that background, who have unfortunately been placed in out-of-home care, firstly, they should be given the opportunity of being placed with extended family or kin. The second option is the child's Indigenous community, their kith. The third is to be placed with an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander carer. And the last option is that they're placed with a non-Indigenous carer. Now, as of June 2017, the report nationally, national compliance with these recommendations were 35.5% of these children were placed in out-of-home care with Indigenous relative or kin, 15% were with other Indigenous carers, 17% were with a relative kin, and 32.5% of these children were placed with a non-Indigenous carer. The figures for far north Queensland, they're a bit bit different to that. So 57.4% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children in out-of-home care are with family or other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And that leaves 42% of children placed in care with non-Indigenous carers. Now, I'll explain briefly what's behind this over-representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children having these allegations substantiated and some of the factors to the over-representation in out-of-home care. So the answer is really complex and it requires looking at the impact of past legislation and political decisions, including stolen generation, human rights and e- human rights and equal opportunity commission report of ninety seven, detailed the operating principles of the Australian government during the nineteenth century, and the view that the indigenous population was soon to be extinct. The policy at the time it actually aimed to support the notion of an extinct race, and policies of assimilation aimed to integrate Aboriginal peoples into non-Indigenous society. This started the loss of Aboriginal identity, and it's worth pointing out that at one point a historian, Henry Reynolds, stated that Indigenous culture had been viewed as a risk factor preventing Aboriginal children being included in Australian society. So the children who were forcibly removed from their families At some stages, they were actually forbidden to speak traditional language and practice their culture. They were forced to adopt the English culture. In 2008, Conley and Ward wrote a paper detailing the practice as cultural genocide. Unfortunately, there's very few Aboriginal Australians who have not been impacted by cultural genocide and the stolen generation. And this trauma from the period is evident in many of the families associated with out-of-home care. And the people impacted firsthand from this period have since become parents and grandparents who grew up with the absence of affectionate, supporting and culturally accepting families. So understanding Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander family dynamics and cultural norms is an aspect that impacts child 
children being placed in out-of-home care. So the cultural competence of many workers who assess children to remain or be removed have some issues of themselves based around cognitive bias and assessments that are based on Western values and culture. Basically, in short, folks, meaning that these Aboriginal children are being assessed on a Western society that has kind of, in many aspects, forgotten or not paying attention to what it means to be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So how does this influence the work of child welfare that welfare conducts? Again, like all aspects of this, it's complex. And to go into it, I would need a couple of hours to fill, to fill up that. So in short, it does come down to a lack of specific cultural awareness for many employees working with this group and a detached understanding of attachment theory and how this actually relates to Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children and families. And like I've mentioned just before, so personal bias and the play this has on determining the best interest of a child, which is what this all comes down to, what is the best interest of a child. So moving forward and focusing on the vision statement and how... I aim to achieve this and overcome the many layers of complex complexity. So the elements of the program and the recommendations are focused on four principles in how we work that have been modelled on the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander child placement principles. That is prevention and protecting children's right to grow up in family, community and culture by supporting families to care safely for their children. Connection, supporting the connections to family, community, and culture for children. Participation, we ensure children, parents, and significant family members are involved in decisions focused on safety and well-being of their children. And finally, partnerships, applying an egalitarian approach towards working with the community for services designed and delivered to the community. Now, we've developed four strategies built on the foundations of these principles and believe that implementing them will reduce the rate of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander children in out-of-home care and reduce contact with child safety. The first strategy has been titled Child's Play. So this program is compromised of a 14-week program that work with the mother and children in the first 12 months of childbirth and a second 14-week program for mothers and children with kids aged up to 13 years of age. So the program is run in consultation with Wu Chopran and Girani Yalambaka Health Service, which is based at Yarrabah, and are modelled on the New Pin Social Ventures Australian Programme. So the first program, the 14-week one for mothers and children, newborns, is provided to, will be provided to all new mothers and promotes Aboriginal child-rearing practices, relationships of appropriation, values and interdependence. The mothers with their children attend one two-hour session every week over the 14-week period And the program has been added to the services offered by Girani under their maternal health work. The second program is focused on families who have been contacted by child services and referred to our agency. So this 14-week program operates out of Girani also 
and utilizes the beach, bush, bush surround and facility. It is designed to strengthen family engagement through culturally appropriate play sessions between the children and their parents. And this program is conducted over 14 weeks with one two-hour session per week. Now, strategy two is a peer support, parent support program partnership. I'll define the name as we go, but that's what I'm at with right now. And this is based on a program ran out of Hall Creek Community Family Center and elements of the role of child health nurse in development of a remote community through peer support program and families in the early years. So the strategy is based around supporting the child health nurse who conducts visits to new mothers and families in their homes. So the program's foundations are working in partnership and communication strategy. Yeah, sorry. So the program foundations are working in partnership, a communication strategy, and educational strategy. So the child health nurse works in partnership with community care workers who are from within the Yarrabah community and are accustomed tradition to traditional values and customs with parenting. The child care workers will assist the child health nurse to remain culturally appropriate within home visits and collaboration is key in adapting the child health nurse Western knowledge to the practices with that of the community care workers, the local ways of doing things. Means there will be constant evaluation and adapting the content delivered. So the second aspect is the communication strategies. So this will be an integral aspect in the partnership with the community care workers and community members. And the guidance on active listening that remains non-judgmental aims to lead towards mutual respect in the partnership. Upskilling may be required for a few of the community care workers in computer literacy to ensure adequate documentation of relevant details and assisting the child health nurse in these aspects. Now, when it comes to the educational part, the child health nurse had a requirement to develop an educational strategy. This will enable the child, the sorry, this will enable the community care workers to build their personal knowledge and skill sets. This upskilling is aimed to assist the community care workers in home visits and co-develop resources to aid in the content being delivered, such things as visual aids, further equipment, and utilising the already existing available health promotion materials and identifying any missing aspects. So the strategy works as an adjunct between child play program and brings a more holistic approach to the continuation of care and support for new mothers and families in the community. So strategy three is around creating an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultural awareness training for all non-Indigenous workers in Yarrabah. This strategy is aimed at providing culturally appropriate healthcare services, which truly are essential for uptake of services and engagement by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Rose Chapman, in her 2013 paper on effectiveness of cultural awareness training, improving the attitude, spoke about improving the attitudes of health staff towards Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and noted that current cultural awareness 
doesn't seem to improve the attitudes of health workers towards this community. Another paper at 2018, the Trigger Parliamentary Paper, it pointed out the importance of having local Aboriginal people select content to be delivered and to cover the, which areas are appropriate. It's essential training is delivered using inputs from Aboriginal health workers and community leaders. So the successful criteria for this strategy, number one is develop an Aboriginal cultural awareness training which focuses genuine collaboration of elders and key community members from the community. Number two, review of the resources needed to deliver Aboriginal cultural awareness training and support attendees post-training. So post-training is we're going to develop online resources and also a quick reference book for people who are out in the field and still getting their head around it. The third part is around partnership with all stakeholders who visit the community of Yarrabah and a commitment to seeing that they are they receive the training. So this is anyone who comes out from child safety to any of the other NGOs who work with the families. And the last step is formal evaluation of the cultural awareness training. So specifically, the training has been, specifically has the training made a difference to the assessment of children and families in the community and has it impacted the attitude of staff members? We need to evaluate what we're putting out and be be, be aware that we may need to make some changes. Now, finally, Westwood and others in a 2010 paper, they rounded out the importance of appropriate cultural awareness training, leading to people developing empathy and connected knowledge, the ability to see the world through another's eyes, or at least recognise that others may view the world through different cultural lenses. Non-Aboriginal people working in Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander communities need to understand the impact colonisation has had on present life and the families don't always follow Western parenting practices and that this doesn't mean harm or neglect of children. Strategy four is around establishing an Aboriginal reference group. Now, Gratitude Care will establish an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander reference group as part of the overall program and commitment to reconciliation and respect for the community. Gratitude Care recognised the specific needs of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples and we're committed to effective engagement with the community. The group principles work towards protecting children's right, rights to grow up in family, community and culture, ensuring the community has representation in service design and delivery ensuring community families participate in decisions relating to care and protection of children in the community, maintaining and supporting connection between family, community, culture and country. The group participants in the reference group will be termed by local leaders and aims to meet four times a year. So wrapping up, guys, I've just dropped a lot of info, but in short, there is the vision and how we aim to achieve it. As stated, the barriers we face are the same barriers faced in Aboriginal Torres Strait Island communities all over Australia. And acknowledging these barriers is the first step towards overcoming them. We believe that through this vision and subsequent strategies over the next four years, we will have a significant impact on the rates at which children are placed in out-of-home care. We will positively impact the way in which government and non-government 
organisation departments and agencies work with and determine a child's best interests. We will collect data around programs and training aimed to empower the community members and ultimately develop a future strategy to be implemented more broadly in the Cairns region in the future. All right, guys, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. I'll be back in the next week or so with Mike to drop a regular show. Cheers.